0: As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone.
1: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care.
2: Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast from the Times. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and it's a bit of a melancholy week, so I'm just going to talk about this at the very start. Last week we had the passing of uh, Cyril Regis. This week, the passing of the word "legend" gets thrown around a lot. Um, to me, he certainly was one. Uh, Jimmy Armfield. For those who don't know, he was uh, he was a tremendous footballer. He then became a, a broadcaster, an absolute class act. Uh, and I had the privilege of working with him several times on radio. A real gentleman. Although it's weird because the one story that's been repeated, I don't know, even know if it was apocryphal. But he was such a nice man that when the really, when really nice guys get a little bit um, sort of edgy and a little bit nasty, um, it resonates even more. The story I think dates from the uh, from the early '90s. He was uh, working for the BBC. Howard Wilkinson. Uh, I believe would have been managing Leeds United at the time. And he was being questioned in the post-match press conference by the, uh, by the media and Wilkinson did what most of us in the media hate. When former professionals do, he basically came out and he said, he's like, like, stop asking these questions. What do you guys know about football? Huh? How many caps do you have? And you and you, and then from the back of the room, you hear Jim Yarnfield say, well, I've got 43, actually, Howard. How about you? Which I thought was heartwarming. And I say that as somebody who actually likes Howard Wilkinson um, and who Howard Wilkinson has been very good to. I like to think they all had a laugh about it. But like I said, um, a tremendous guy who's very enthusiastic. Just my own memories of, of having known him. But of course, we have a podcast to do. Uh, with me in the studio today, it's uh, Matt Hughes, as well as the Times' resident stats man. Will Edgar uh, later on. We'll be discussing two big moves. Watford have a new manager in place, and as we record this, Manchester United and Arsenal appear to be all set to swap Alexis Sanchez and Henrik Mkhitaryan. But we start with the side that Alexis Sanchez won't be signing for, barring some incredible last-minute turnaround. The league leaders, Manchester City. I'm going to start this off with a quote from the guy I think is the most talented football writer at the Times. And this is very, very Culkin-esque. Husey's looking at his uh, at the intro and frowning because Husey's very much no-nonsense. But I'm just going to read this. Manchester City are killing football. It is a delicate dismemberment, a beautiful butchery, but they are so good, so brilliant, so crammed with genius and artistry, that the game sinks to its knees and accepts its own death. If the essence of a match is a contest in which people or teams compete against each other in a sporting context. Then city are doing something else, playing something else. There is no match. Now, I was a bit hesitant to put this in, partly because I like this kind of this kind of writing, which I appreciate. Isn't for everybody. Hughesy Hughesy's frowning again. I'm
3: not frowning? That's just my face.
2: Um, <laughs> uh, because inevitably you get backlash, like, "Oh, why are you in the media so obsessed with Pep Pepkin doing no run?" But I want to point this out. This is George Culkin's view. Now, George Culkin, for those who don't know, is a man who lives up in Newcastle and his world is mostly Newcastle, Sunderland, uh, to a lesser extent Middlesbrough, perhaps. Uh, He's not in the business of making Manchester City look good. He's got nothing to gain with it. I can only assume that this was his very, very honest assessment. He's certainly not trying to suck up to uh, Pep or Khaldun or anybody like that. Bill, in some ways, you're presented, and I think it's unfair because we pigeonhole people as sort of the polar opposite of that. Even in the introduction, the resident stats man. Can you relate to this?
4: Um, from a Newcastle point of view, you would you would say that they played them Manchester City twice in the last month and on both occasions Newcastle were extremely defensive now much more than the average opponents for city have been so it's not quite the case yet that the whole the rest of the premier league is lying down and giving up you know it was just Newcastle in these two games who really took it to an extreme and did pretty much nothing from an attacking point of view in terms of our city killing the game, well, I think we can just enjoy it for the time being. When Five years down the line, if they're about to win the title for the fifth year in a row by 20 points, then we can start worrying about the lack of competition. But the last three seasons, they haven't won the title. They were second, fourth and third. They've only just got into this pre-eminence, So, and And of course, it's great to watch. So I think it's really a great advert for the Premier League. So I think we should just enjoy it.
2: Usually, is that the bar that they have to win it five years in a row by twenty points before we start worrying about it? I and mean, is is Colkin gotten carried away, or is he just within the context of of Newcastle?
3: I think everyone's got carried away a little bit. I mean, this sort of they're the best team ever. Chat started in about October, which although they're playing wonderful football and clearly dominant in this season, I thought was ridiculously premature. Obviously, they have the potential to become one of the greatest teams you've ever seen. Um, which is going to be exciting to see unfold over the next few years. But yeah, they, they have to back it up. I mean, Man City have won numerous titles in the Abu Dhabi era, but they haven't um, they haven't defended it, and Pep needs to do that, I think, before we well, can even... Well, either... they
2: won those titles. They didn't play the way they play now. No, they didn't. When we juxtapose City with dominant teams of the past, we don't juxtapose it with... Mancini's city or, no. or, or Pellegrini's city, do we?
3: That is true. We talk about the Invincibles and Liverpool team of the 80s. I mean, I think as a football team, they're, they're probably they're better than all those. I, I did laugh. So
2: you're saying they're the best? Wow. Well, just said as a football team, that's what they are.
3: In this month, but I think you have to, <laughs> to earn that kind of credit. time. I, I think you have to have longevity, yeah. Okay. I think, you know, if this team plays, you know, your friend Steve Nichols, Liverpool, they beat them 5-0. Because football is just better,
4: right?
2: But then, yeah, the really depressing part is that Sam Allardyce's Everton would probably, maybe not 5 0 but you know, they probably wouldn't get stuffed. What I find interesting here is, I mean, you talked about how defensive Newcastle were. It's interesting in terms of what's worked against City this season, because obviously Liverpool went for it; they pressed high. It, it, it was a much more, much more attacking display from. I mean, they were also at home and they have different players and stuff. Rafa, who obviously knows how to organize a team defensively, stop opponents from playing, he chose a different approach twice. Do you think he regrets it? I mean, would they have been better or is it just kind of like the case of choosing your poison?
4: I mean, they they lost 3-1 and 1-0. I mean, so on the face of it, it's not, not terrible results. Fair enough, to be honest. I mean, it's not great for football when a team is... Just does absolutely nothing until they're 2-0 down and after about an hour they try something. But uh, in terms of trying to get the best result, I think that was fair enough from Benitez.
2: Let's focus on Newcastle a little bit because I have a feeling we'll be talking about City again this season Um, and probably Newcastle too. There's a proposal on the table from a group called PCP. Juxtaposed against that is Rafa's contract situation. Now, can you explain, Matt, why... If you're Ashley, you might not want to extend Rafa until you've sold the club. Are Newcastle worth more with Rafa under contract, or or not, or does it not matter?
3: Well, they're worth more theoretically. They're a more attractive proposition if you get Rafa um, as
2: part of the package.
3: Yeah, I think that, I think that's I think that's true, and that's certainly whether it's true or not. It's certainly the Ashley perception. I was told when this, you know, when this latest round of talks were um, began kind of midway through last year they were sort of in the various prospectuses that were sent out to people they were touting we have a trophy winning manager so Rafa was very much placed front and centre of the Newcastle sale and Amanda Staveley's bought into that I mean we saw from her excellent interview with George Corkin last week that she loves Rafa wants him to stay wants to extend the contract um, so it makes sense that Newcastle would try and time down but I think it's almost for this sale it's it's, it's too late for that now but
2: Can you just explain that a little bit? Because you and I probably can't relate to buying and selling football clubs, but I think a lot of our listeners can perhaps relate to buying and selling property. So if you were selling your place and you got planning permission to build an extension, obviously building the extension adds value to your property and obviously locking in Rafa adds value to, to, to United in one way. But on the other hand, if they were to sell them without Rafa getting a new contract, it's not you know, it's not like Rafa would disappear. He'd still be there. It's I just that the new owners would have bad. to negotiate. But what if the new owners don't like Rafa? What if they'd rather have somebody else? You know what I mean? Like, in some ways, you're also potentially adding a cost to it.
3: You are, but I, I don't think it adds much value. It's more the sort of perception of this man, this successful manager, wants to stay at this club. It's it's sort of more, you know, a signal of soft power. And also, crucially, if... Um, Benitez will only extend his contract if he's given money to spend by players. So it sort of just sends out the kind of right vibes. I'm not saying that Rafa is worth 20% of Newcastle. That's, that's ridiculous, although he
2: probably thinks he is. But I would assume Rafa would more likely want to stay if Amanda Staveley and those people buy the club because presumably they'll inject more money into it, right?
0: Yeah,
3: certainly in the short term.
2: Now, back in November, Matt, you reported that Ashley was hoping for, to get £380 million um, pounds for, for the club. This is a club he bought for 134 million. And what's interesting is that between 2007 and 2015, Newcastle made pre-tax profits of something like 46 million pounds. So between the capital appreciation and between the fact that they made a profit until 2015, I think they were close to break even the year after that. And then presumably they made a loss the season after that, when they were, when they, when they were relegated. Um, although presumably, again, this year he'll probably make a profit again because he hasn't spent any money. Um, even if he doesn't get $380 80 million, he's still going to be in for an enormous payday, right? Can we kind of dispense with this idea that if you own a football club, you'll necessarily lose enormous amounts of money and you need to do it out of love and whatever else and passion? No, you can do it to make money if you're a smart businessman.
3: You can do it to make money, but can you do it to make money and have success? I mean, they're, they're slightly different things. Newcastle, like actually Will has made money out of Newcastle, but he's also had a tremendous amount of grief. He's incredibly unpopular and is kind of basically sick of it. So, yeah, he's managed the balance sheets very well. Whether he's managed the football club well is a different question, which I think most Newcastle fans would have pretty strong,
2: strong views on. So he's managed it, the argument is he's managed it badly because they've been relegated. They're still solvent as a football club. Which maybe not something to be taken for granted. I presume you know him or his people better than I do. Do you get a sense that he really does care that he gets that he gets grief? Given that he doesn't live in Newcastle, does he care what Newcastle fans on the street think of him?
3: Uh, I don't think he does care. No, not really. But I think he has come to a kind of realization, acceptance that he can't or doesn't, at what point doesn't have the will to sort of take them. To the next level, he, he, you know he's he's run them fairly cheaply, and he's financially they've done they've been successful. But on the football pitch, they haven't been successful since the Padu season with Denver Bar when they finished fifth. Have they really? It's sort of been declined since then. Um, and I think he has he hasn't got the appetite financially or otherwise. He's not enjoying it
2: basically, and it's maybe taking time away from his other. Yeah, and he's trying. You know, this
3: sale has been going on for whatever 6-12 months but behind the scenes it's been on the market for about 10 years it's not the first time he's tried to sell has it you know if you're talking about the long term potential of clubs
4: you look at the number of fans Newcastle have uh, certainly in terms of fans through the gate they have 51,000 uh, pretty much every home game they could probably expand and uh, increase that because they are at capacity almost all the time if I came, went away for 10 years to Mars came back and Newcastle were regulars in the top four I wouldn't be that surprised if it really? was if it was Bolton or, or uh, Swansea, then I'd be surprised, but Newcastle have got, just in terms of the, the size of the club, they've, they've got potential, yeah.
2: Time now for our Goal of the Week segment. Now this season, with your subscription to the Times and the Sunday Times, you can watch every highlight and every goal from every single game in the Premier League, the Champions League, the Europa League and the FA Cup. And it's just £3 for a three-month trial. You don't just get goal highlights. You also get uh, some outstanding writing um, and some outstanding content from our hard-working team of journalists. Now, Husey, what was your favourite goal of the weekend in the Premier League?
3: Um, Well, it was Williams, but I go for Bill's talking about that. So um, (laughs) I go for Anthony Martial's winner for Man United. I love the ball from Lukaku and the way Martial took it was um, fantastic. And it's timely, really, given... He's about to sign for Manchester United and what position he plays. So um, it's good to see Marshall respond to the Sanchez challenge.
2: I have a feeling we'll be talking about that very shortly. Bill, you're going with Willian, and it's interesting because I've made this point before. When you look at sort of match of the day or whatever, you know, the goal of the month contenders and whatever, they're invariably somebody smacking the ball from a million yards out. This is not the kind of goal that traditionally your peeps like.
4: No, although uh, William did indeed smash the ball in at the end, albeit from a fairly relatively close distance but um, I like this a bit more than Lacazette's goal for Arsenal which was similar because whereas the Arsenal goal had a couple of one-twos both involving Ozil Chelsea's had a a one-two-three again twice with uh, two backheels uh, oh yeah uh, Willian Hazard-Batuai and then Willian Hazard-Batuai and then Willian so it, it just takes more imagination you know when there's three of you all involved it's great to see that when the first person's making the pass the third one is already anticipating what's going to happen, and that happened in a, in a pretty tight space. And of course, as you say, two two flicks to uh, set up William for the outswinging finish. Absolute peach of a goal.
2: Now, another match uh, uh, this week: Southampton uh, drew one-one with Spurs. Um, Hughes, I wrote down missed opportunity because I like the the idea of, of Tottenham charging on and, and challenging for a spot in the top four. But then I look at this and I wonder, am I being a little bit harsh on them? I mean, is a draw is Southampton such a poor result?
3: What's Southampton? One win in 11, one win in 10? I mean, their form is, is terrible. They can't win games. They struggle to score goals. And if you look at how well Liverpool are playing, how resilient Chelsea are, how resilient Manchester United are, you know, even Arsenal played well on Saturday. So... um. It's 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 that battle for fourth is tough and of all the years to miss out on the Champions League this will be the worst for for Tottenham given the new stadium they've got to fill and given lots of players agitating for new contracts and interest clearly in Harry and, and Delhi Alley in particular. Um so they really can't afford to have another Europa League season and if they're gonna get in the top four these, these are games they're gonna have to win, particularly if you factor in Pochettino's poor record away against against you know the top 6. So, yeah, I think it is a missed opportunity and um a game where they really again showed how much they rely on Christian Eriksen.
2: He was he was missed. Did Spurs deserve more from this game bill?
4: Um I don't think so. I think a draw was fair enough. They and they certainly are dropping compared to last season. They got 86 points. They're heading for 71 now. So, it's a huge difference and I mean, it strikes me that Deli Ali's loss of form is is really crucial. You can almost see him sort of without confidence, just hoping for something, some inspiration to come to him as he's on when he gets hold of the ball. Um, and he's certainly dropped a lot from last season. Probably their best two defenders, Danny Rose and Aldevayreld, have both been out, Danny Rose sort of, you know, for quite a long time, really. Um, so they're missing them. Um, Dyer's passing was poor yesterday. They looked like they were a long way from really dominating, as as they probably they would have dominated that sort of game last year. I think Kane is still playing as well as ever. He's very consistent, but um, looks like they might struggle for top four now.
2: You mentioned Harry Kane there. I had to kind of smile at the weekend because there was a headline um, about how Real Madrid determined to smash the 200 million pound barrier to get Harry Kane which was just the only thing I thought was funny was just obviously Neymar went for, on the conversion, 198 billion pounds. Like I was just trying to imagine Florentino sitting there and saying like, I better convert my potential offer into, <laughs> into pounds. That would really make a, make a statement. But um, no, I mean, leaving the number aside, is this just, I mean, I think most would agree that Harry Kane deserves a new deal given given the level that he's playing at and what he's on now, frankly. Is he viewed the way he should be viewed? I mean, people joke about him being a four-season wonder, but at this stage, he just keeps doing it again and again. And again. Viewed by whom? Well, I think if you put those sums on the table, and you consider the fact that Manchester United have have Lukaku, that Kane probably doesn't fit what City want to do. If you're talking move, you'd have you would imagine a move by one of the big clubs on the continent.
3: Have to, if he went anywhere he would have to go abroad it's there's not going to be in England yeah. no way Daniel Levy would sell him anywhere in England no, not, I mean it's Real Madrid isn't it really I can't he's not if Lewandowski
2: moves would you see Bayern
3: well Bayern don't pay big money for players haven't paid well what, what's Bayern's transfer record is surprisingly small is it like 30 or 40 million Javier like Javi Martínez maybe 40
2: or or maybe but yeah no but it's they not a lot
3: they don't they don't buy Galacticos yeah. they nick the very very best players in Germany <laughs> for free <laughs> exactly as um, Oli Kay wrote about well, on Saturday, I thought in 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 the Times, um, so Bayern aren't players for Hurricane. So it, yeah, there isn't a, actually, curiously, given how good he is, and how young he is, and what a great bloke he is, there isn't a massive.
2: That's good news demand. for Levy, then. It,
3: yeah, it's probably Real Madrid or bust, I guess.
2: Um, and I also think, given Anyway, we all have certain prejudices about certain types of players. Given that it's Real Madrid, and given that a lot of, given that you're still marketing stars if you're at Madrid, right? And that's a really big part of it. Marketing Harry Kane—I mean, unless England go and win the World Cup and he's top scorer or something—to a Spanish audience, I think is a little bit tough because you know you you look at him; he looks a little goofy. You look at his at his YouTube clips, and it's like, all right, well, he scores a ton of goals, but look, he's not going deep in the Champions League or whatever else. You know, I mean, or unless Spurs win the Champions League this year, I should point out, or, or do really well in it. So I think this actually, to me, suggests that Levy's in a pretty strong negotiating position.
3: Yeah, I think Tottenham are pretty confident for the, the reasons you say. I mean, he, obviously, he's, he's potentially a great player. He's he very, really is. He's I mean, very we can take player. the potentially out of it. Well, no, I, no, I, I don't. I'm, you know, I'm a Yorkshire curmudgeon,
2: as you know. I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't throw. Who great, is a great player right now? Lionel Messi. It's a list comprised of one in England. Aguero.
3: Sanchez Kane's got to do it but yeah you've got to, Briner, it, got to do it Pogba Pogba t- no? Pogba De Bruyne, yeah Bruyne is showing he can be but again he's whatever 23 and has done it for two years <laughs> I, I demand more Pogba's not a great player he's a very can talented ma- player can
2: you imagine having Matt Hughes as your boss seriously right.
3: <laughs> great I mean <laughs> okay. by right, your no. definition there are hundreds of great footballers Harry Kane is yeah he's world class but he hasn't done it at a tournament okay. he, hasn't any- he hasn't won anything he hasn't won anything
2: David May won lots at Manchester United. they did, but, did you know. and there are many different metrics.
3: Anyway, the point being, he's he's not... If you're replacing Cristiano Ronaldo, which ostensibly that is what you'd have to do, he's it's a tough sell, so I agree with you.
2: Bill, Southampton have been a model club for a long time. They're sitting on £75 million of Virgil van Dyke money. What would you do with it? I'd probably get another striker. Charlie Austin is
4: a... Excellent finisher, but um, he's had his injury problems. He was out for half last season.
2: Poor man's Harry Kane.
4: Yeah, but you know, good enough for Southampton. Uh, Shane Long is a good player, but his finishing's not been great. Gabby Odini had a great start when he came to Southampton—six goals in the first four games. Now he just pretty much stopped scoring. So really, they need a finisher. That was the, the problem last season, and uh, and um, again this season. So Seventy five million that, will get you a pretty good yeah, striker.
5: Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
2: Love the game? Then don't miss The Game Daily. It's your lunchtime update from football's finest writers, and it's only at thetimes.co.uk. So early in the season, Watford were geniuses for uh, for getting Marco Silva. Um, they were, I think, they were as high as what, like fifth, six in the table at three one three, point. Yeah. Um, then Everton come in and they want Silva. There's a dispute over compensation. Watford don't want to let him go. And since then, Watford not been quite as good. They're slipping down the table. The club actually issued a statement coming out and, and saying this, that, look, since the approach, we weren't as good. Marco Silva was, it was an unwanted approach. Marco, we didn't let him go, and uh, and it had a knock-on effect on the team. Uh, now Javi Gracia is coming in, but do you have any sympathy for anybody involved here? For Marco Silva for not being able to get his dream move to Goodison? For Everton not being able to get Marco Silva being stuck with Allardyce? For... Watford now having to sack Silva? Um, I'm assuming you you're not often too sympathetic anyway. It's
3: kind of the perfect storm really. I don't have sympathy for Marco Silva really because he'd been pointed on a two or three year contract, I think two years and after nine games he says, I want to go and they say no. But he doesn't say okay, I respect that's fine. He just keeps pushing, keeps pushing, keeps pushing. He, did keep pushing, didn't he? he kept pushing, he was agitating behind the scenes and if you talk to people at Watford since then, although obviously he's you know, he hasn't downed tools, they they're convinced that his sort of commitment just hasn't been the same and as someone put it to me last night, he hasn't he just wasn't doing the work. Um and the players have sort of sensed that. And it's the sort of thing that's pretty hard to quantify, but if you talk to people who are at Watford every day, they just sort of they you know, you can read things that aren't there, I guess, but they they say they think the players picked up on it and there's just you know, a little dialing down in the intensity and the commitment. And if that happens, you lose games. They're, and there are lots of sort of, you know, there's, there's no sort of smoking gun, but there's, you know, there's evidence and stats which indicates they might be onto something. they considered a lot of late goals. They've thrown away lots of winning positions. What's Silva's
2: version of events here? Um so, well, he ha- he Silva, well, he hasn't hat? really. What would you say? We will, he Sil- Silverwood
3: Silverwood say that the club haven't backed him. He had, didn't sign the players he wanted to sign well, in the summer. In the summer and now, since it's in the last three weeks, he wants to sign Islam Samani from Leicester. It's not happened. It's not going to happen because he's too expensive, frankly.
2: You 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 have Gray. You have O'Connor. You Gray's have signing. Yeah. And you have uh, and you have Troy Deeney. Yeah.
3: Well, he doesn't I mean, like Gray. He doesn't like Deeney. <laughs> I mean, this is the, the problem. Is you have a manager who's signed up to a, a model of working, and he doesn't agree with it. Basically, he was he's seemed to be unhappy with the players he had, and instead of accepting that, he's continued to agitate and push behind the scenes. And that basically, it's in the short version, is the relationship is between club and manager has broken down, and Everton was the catalyst. But if it hadn't been Everton, it could well have been something else later on. Um, so while he's a very good coach and clearly has talent, I kind of think his man management, managing up the way he sort of carries himself, is a, is a problem, and that might explain why he's had five jobs in four years. He never he never hangs around.
2: Bill,
4: this sort of thing doesn't happen very often. When when managers of smallish Premier League clubs get poached, it's usually in the summer, so it's quite relatively rare for them to a club to come after somebody like this in mid-season so so it's hard to look for previous examples but I, m- I remember Martin O'Neill in 1998 was at Leicester doing really well and Leeds wanted him or Leeds wanted to speak to him and Leicester refused to let him speak and he was really annoyed and he and he had a press conference saying that he was fed up with Leicester for not letting them letting him speak to Leeds he was really public about it but um they probably, in the next six game won four and drew two and they finished 10th, so, so he overcame his uh, uh, disappointment.
2: Yeah, I, w- but, I will say this, and regular listeners will know, I'm not a big fan of Martin O'Neill, but I will always say the guy is honest, which you can't say of many managers in this business. And he's a professional. He does the best job. I, I, re- I remember that, that, that incident well. And I was like, when he had the press conference, I'm like, well, wait a minute. So you're actually different from all the other managers who would have happily gone and chatted to leads mm-hmm. day and night, you know, behind, behind their back. But you're actually waiting for permission, you know. Yeah. I mean, like I said, like you can be critical, and I've been very critical of him of him in the past. But from in terms of integrity, you know, I, <laughs> I think Martin O'Neill is, is really a, a model there. Unless you're the manager of Manchester United or Manchester City or, or, or a handful of other clubs, yeah. you are at a stepping stone. You know every club is a stepping stone, um, and I think we need to um, to wrap our heads around that. Uh, the other big news, which has been rumbling for a long time, and as we record this, it's not official yet. Although everybody's been told that it's uh, it's pending a medical, is um, extraordinary swap deal between Alexis Sanchez who uh, would have been uh, out of contract at Arsenal on June 30th, and Henrik Mkhitaryan. Now, there's a lot of people wondering, who are the winners and losers? I don't think we have any clarity on the numbers. There's numbers that were widely reported last week, whereby Sanchez would be getting half a million pounds a week. I wasn't able to stand them up. I don't know who has. I don't think those numbers are right. I think, and this is purely an educated guess, my guess is Alexis Sanchez probably makes... Somewhere maybe in the three hundred to three fifty range with 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 bonuses, um, and obviously he's getting a big signing on bonus as well. But I don't think he's going to be making much more than than what you would expect. I think probably he's probably making a little less than what Zlatan made when he came over. Does that sound right? Yeah, I
3: wouldn't have thought he'd be on hugely more than Pogba, for example.
2: No, although Pogba's is not an enormous deal, right? He's on is it two hundred k? I think Pogba. Um, a lot of bonuses. Though. But he does have a, he does have a lot of bonuses in there, so. Um, and obviously we don't know what Mikatarian's getting, but we, what we do know is that Mkhitaryan was on a massive whack, again, relative to being Henrik Mkhitaryan.
3: He'll be the highest played player at Arsenal for now.
2: I think it's something like 170, 180 yeah. grand a week. Um, we'll get to the footballing impact, but in terms of the squad balance impact, is this the kind of thing where, you know, the good players at the clubs will all come knocking on the door for new deals now? or at which club? Why well, both clubs?
3: I don't, I don't, I don't think so. Um, it's a bit different to Tottenham, where compared to the market, there's a big group that are underpaid. I don't think many people at United, certainly the top players, would argue that they are, you know, underpaid. They've been good payers for for a long for a long time. I don't think one makes a difference. I think with City, it was slightly different because of the De Bruyne issue. Then renegotiating the contract with the young guy who is. Wildly seen as their best player. So if you parachute Sanchez in on, you know, double or a third again of what they're going to give him, then that's a potential problem. I don't think Manchester United have anyone who's in that situation. Pogba is on a long term deal. Lukaku's on a long term well, contract.
2: Pogba no... will have finished the second, I mean, this summer, Pogba will have finished the second year of his deal, right? And he'll have three years left. Yeah. And if he plays the way he's played in the last month, he can say, well, hang on a minute. But I'm a lot money. better he, than he Alexis. He would have
3: got that money anyway. I think I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't, yeah. might be wrong. I don't perceive that, that, that is problem. a good
2: point. You would imagine. You would imagine. And, and the other point um, with the Sanchez, negotiate
3: with Redwood if you're a good footballer. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's true. But the other point with with the with the Sanchez money and, and the Sanchez deal is Mkhitaryan's current salary is, I, I'm guessing is is going to be. You know, like we said it's it's a big wage that he was on because it was a Minoria deal and whatnot. Yeah. Between Mkhitaryan not being there anymore, and Slatan's wages coming off the wage bill at the end of the season, Bill, you've got a lot of wiggle room to yeah. give Sanchez a lot of money and also re-up Pogba.
4: Yeah, certainly, and, um, and it's well worth spending the money on a, a forward, and, and Sanchez is completely proven, as Matt says, uh, great player, you know, there's almost a guarantee he's going to be, uh, he'll be a, a title winning standard player at Manchester United. And I think they need it because so far uh, you've got Martial and Rashford who potentially, they, they could get there. Lukaku, I don't think he's quite going to get there. Lingard's still got a way to go.
2: What lineup do you think, I mean, if somebody watches United a lot, what do you think Mourinho is going to do? How's he going to line them up?
4: I imagine he'll have one of Martial and Rashford at least in the lineup, and they've done so much better on the left than elsewhere that he'll he'll put them there, which means Sanchez will go. And I think Sanchez is good enough to play on the left or the right, number ten or striker. Maybe he'll put him as uh, number ten behind Lukaku, or, um, could put him on the right and have three up front. You have say Herrera, uh, Mata, and What Do you Pogba. think he should do? Well, i mean if they're two options and it'll change depending on who the opponents are. What do I think you should do? Um, I think United have better balance with three in midfield. So I'd have Herrera, Matic and Pogba right to left in midfield. And then uh, probably uh, Sanchez, Lukaku and Martial as
3: the, the front three.
2: And then maybe the summer you go and you try to upgrade Herrera yeah. and get a centre-back. Yeah. Makes sense to you?
3: Yeah, I think Sanchez is probably more comfortable... In the middle, really, I mean you need you need to give him what 's interesting you need to give him freedom um he ain 't going to be running the channels in, in the jose way so well, if you play if you play him if you play him wide um, you you 'll have you creating a potential problem he's not going to he 's not going to be Ashley young
2: but but, but that 's my thing right but people have had this whole idea of United and the flying wingers and all this nonsense, which has been the case for a long time might the best solution if you 've got Alexis to To play something like a Christmas tree formation, and
3: or a three five two, and he's one of the two off Lukaku, and you have the
2: possible. problem. With, problem with the three five two is then you got to find another center back, and I think all those guys are, other than Byer, are, are pretty. Yeah, um, but if you play a Christmas tree, you can have him and and Rashford or or Martial or if you want to go a little bit more defensive, Lingard behind Lukaku and if he's played Shaw quite a bit recently right if if now you know Shaw's not on the naughty step anymore between Shaw and Valencia you've got really really attacking fullbacks as well and you leave space for Pogba to break from midfield that's a pretty good setup right
3: yeah I mean I think it will vary a lot I think you'll play a lot of home games and I think away from home you might have to do things slightly differently but a be, to... he's hard. He's a hard man to manage, Alexis Sanchez. He'll want to play every game in ninety minutes. If he doesn't, he'll there'll be, there'll be well, tantrums, you that's, know. So uh, is the ideal man because he'll, if he
4: thinks you're in the best eleven, he'll stick you in every minute of the season, yeah. basically, apart from the really irrelevant games.
2: I want to get to Mkhitaryan in a second, but first I want to, I want to turn on this because there's been almost like a backlash, I, I think, from some people against Alexis Sanchez, that he was somehow destined to be reunited with Pep and it would have been the good thing to do. And instead he's being greedy and he's not showing a lack of ambition to quote, win things, which is, you know, one of my pet peeves and by joining United and look, there's no doubt he's making more money at United and his agents making more money at United all right, that's, that's understood, but that kind of really, really bugs me because first of all, if Alexis Sanchez had moved to city he would have won the Premier League as a passenger because they're going to win. I mean, uh, you could have joined, no disrespect, Bill, Manchester City, and you would have won the Premier League this year, right, as a passenger. Um, But secondly, I look at it from, I think there's a strong footballing argument here as well. What you said, Matt, Alexis Sanchez isn't going to go and run the channel and and he's not going to go up and down the wing. If he moves to Manchester City, who have a very... Organized, very schematic way of 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 playing. He can either play on the wing, where he has to compete with guys like Leroy Sane and Raheem Sterling, who are who are younger, faster, tactically more disciplined than the, than he is. Or he can play as a center forward, where he has to compete to the guy you think is the only great player in the Premier League, Sergio Aguero. And I, I thought maybe this was setting up Aguero to uh, to move in the summer, which may yet happen but you got to compete with Aguero and you have to compete with, with, with Gabriel Jesus. So, and on top of that, you've got the Pep factor and Pep persuaded him. He had a chance to go to Manchester City when he left Udinese, who City were offering more money back then. He followed his heart. He went to, you know, the quote-unquote bigger club at the time. He went to Barcelona. We know how that ended up, right? He was there for three years. Pep left after a season. He was good, but he was never, he never peaked at Barcelona in any way, shape or form. And he actually struggled in Pep's system. Now PEP system has changed since then, but still to me, I look at this at United and United are, are, are devoting an enormous amount of resources to me, um, between now and the end of my career. So they're vested in, in me succeeding. Um, I'll be given every chance. If I win something there in some ways, it's, it's more meaningful because this is a club that has not had success over the past three and a half years and so I'll be building towards something and riding on the coattails of a finished project. Am I giving him too much of a benefit of the doubt?
3: I'm kind of half with you. I never really understood why Man City wanted him, really. I don't see where he fits, so I agree with it, that.
2: It, it was to shift Aguero in the summer, I think. Yeah. I, th- I think there was a sense that Aguero, after seven years, would want to maybe go to Spain, try something else. I think that was the thing. Also, with Pep, you know, with the whole thing about his pressing, not pressing, blah blah blah. I mean, I think that was I I think that. That's how it made sense. I
3: see Sanchez as being similar, if not worse, in terms of a difficult character to manage. If you if, you, if you're struggling to manage Agüero, I don't see how you. But he's
2: more predisposed to pressing than, than Agüero is.
3: Well, maybe I don't know. I don't see much evidence of that. I think he does when he. I think he does when he wants to. And I watched a lot of him to. with Chile. Yeah, <laughs> He really is Believe yeah. me, But not always But Arsenal He's erratic Anyway that's a different right. point uh, So no I, Bottom line is If City come in this month He joins City They haven't So I don't blame him For joining Manchester United I think it's, it's, it's a, I don't think he's Particularly greedy Or mercenary I think ultimately City aren't In the market now And He doesn't want to stay at Arsenal So And he obviously makes a lot of money he makes more money for moving now Than he does in the summer Possibly so I don't have a problem with him choosing United. I kind of slightly, well, I just don't agree with this narrative that has come in somewhere that oh yeah, it, I heard someone say yesterday that he's going United because he can he can be viewed as a game changer and a catalyst and it means more if you're in you know, at the ground floor. I, I think that's nonsense. I mean, footballers just want to win stuff. They don't. He's not thinking about how he's going to be perceived in 20 years in the pubs of Stretford, You know, he just wants to make money and win win stuff. He doesn't care that he could be seen as you know. But someone someone but, described me yesterday as uh, it could be a Cantona signing, which is just nonsense. Who knows? What I mean, <laughs> he might be, but he might not be. It's not. Footballers don't think like that. I don't think. I think United
4: are further forward they were than they were when Cantona signed. So, um, I mean, he, he certainly could be a catalyst. As I say, I don't, I don't think any of the front four really have been playing well enough to win the title over, all season. So, I mean, he, he will be a catalyst, but. Yeah, I take Matt's point that whether he's thinking about that I, I doubt very much.
2: All right, now Matt, walk me through Mikatarian and why he had to be part of this deal.
3: Ask your friend, I don't know, really. <laughs> um I, I, Okay. I'll I mean, I guess it's it's uh it enables Arsenal to, you know, claim they haven't been shafted by their rivals when they clearly have. All this it's a it's a great deal for both parties. I couldn't disagree no, more. It's, 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 it's a great deal for Manchester United. It's a great deal for Alexis Sanchez. It could be a reasonable deal for Arsenal, but who knows? It's a great deal
2: for Mkhitaryan.
3: It's a great deal for Manchester Mkhitaryan, and, yeah. We, we, who knows? Know, know, is he the player Arsenal need? No. Is he the player they were looking for? No. Will he, <laughs> su- will he succeed there? Well, who knows? So it's ludicrous yeah. to say just because you've got a big-name player. Yeah, Bottom anybody... line is, United have got rid of a player they didn't want, and... Got one they really did. And Arsenal have lost a player they really wanted to keep and got one who wasn't anywhere on their radar. So it's bizarre, but it sort of sums up Arsenal's kind of weakness in terms of transfers and strategies, if you, if you ask me.
2: I like But to, I'm a cynic, so... You are a cynic. I like to think that it's much much more simple. I like to think that it's Mina Ryla sitting there thinking like, hmm, obviously if this other dude comes, things are going to get even tougher a nastier for Mickey. Let me see if I can insert him in the deal. And I think from United's perspective, they probably at first were like, oh no, look, cash only. you know, like 30 million, we can, it's like, we got this, Mino, you know. And he said, no, 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 no. Because if we don't figure out a way to do this, then, you know, maybe Pogba and Lukaku might become really, really unhappy this summer with you, Ed. And there might be some issues there. He's doing he's, what he's paid to do, which yeah, is to fine. look out for his clients, right? Yeah, right. And, he's, and he says, let's put a deal where you all benefit. Mickey leaves, takes his wages with him, and, and this way, like as we discussed before, then you, know, you have that, that opportunity to, to, to go and offset that, uh, to offset Sanchez's wages. And I think from Arsenal's perspective, you're saying he was a player they didn't want. I, I, I'm not saying he's a player he didn't want because he's a very good player, but he's 29 years old. He's going to earn close to what Alexis Sanchez would have signed for had he extended his contract 18 months ago, and I think this is a point that people forget a little. It gives them a little bit more leverage over Ozil, possibly. Ozil's no longer indispensable. Should they want to try to extend him? But goodness me, I I've heard so many. I I've heard, I've, I've heard somebody say, "Well, you know, Mkhitaryan is a 70 million pound player in this market." Mikhatyarin were a seventy million pound player on those wages in this market. I would assume that Manchester United would have sold them to somebody for seventy million.
4: It's a huge. <clears throat> it's a huge gamble by Arsenal because he's he's not settled properly in the Premier League. Obviously, he did well in Germany, but uh, Arsenal now hoping that he suddenly finds his feet in this same foreign country. Um, and even if he does well, that's not the sort of player they're after. They've they've got enough attacking midfielders they're fine they need uh, they need to strengthen elsewhere they're not well, going to win the title right. as it stands you say
2: that but arsenal fans will come after me if i don't call you on this when you say they have enough attacking midfielders who are you talking about ozil who's leaving in 6 months alexis was already left alexi Iwobi who are you talking about who are all these attacking Walsh, yeah.
4: midfielders she's brilliant creative
2: kabak uh, be serious
4: is. What, what do you mean? What, didn't, haven't you been watching the last six weeks or whenever he's been fit throughout his career? He's a great, creative player.
2: It's putting a lot of faith in Jack Wilshere that you know he's finally turned the corner and he's, as Wenger might have said, he's like a new signing, right? You presume Wenger is invested in Mikatarian and wants to make it work with Mikatarian. You presume Mikatarian was Wenger's choice or you know, it wasn't all just your, your buddy Sven stat.
3: It's definitely an interesting Dortmund subplot, isn't <laughs> it? <again? laughs>
2: and possibly with Aubameyang Young too. Sen but
3: Misslentot arrives in November, and two months later they sign two players from Dortmund.
2: Well, have they signed Aubameyang? Mangi? No, but they're talking to them. And why? Know. Can why? you actually? You know what? Why are you on this? Let's just just again. I, don't, I don't. don't. know. I don't. Because he's available. <laughs> no, seriously, this Aubameyang thing. I don't get this first of all young has been young for so long he ain't young anymore what is he he's 29 years old right (laughs) he's going to cost you an absolute whack of money you're going to get in the situation where Young and Mkhitaryan will will just get old at the same time and Ozil if you extend him he's somebody who's had serious disciplinary issues in the past I think four times four games he's missed last 11 months for disciplinary reasons or because his head wasn't right he scores a ton of goals on a team that just streams forward aimlessly and he's a very good player but you've just spent $50 million on a centre-forward. And I know people say, oh, but Alba Alba can play on the wing. Yeah, he's so good. He hasn't played on the wing in four years. What generally tends to happen is that players who play on the wing, and then they come inside, and they start playing centre-forward, they kind of enjoy playing centre-forward because they're scoring a ton of goals, and it's more fun than tracking back and running back uh, on the wing. I I, I don't understand. Are, are they thinking Alba Meyang lacazette partnership with, with Mickey in the hole? Is Is that... The plan? I don't
3: know what they're thinking.
4: I mean, are but, they thinking uh, anything? I mean, Arsenal haven't played two centre-forward since about 2008. Wenger suddenly abandoned it and that was it. Alan Smith so, and
2: Ian Wright did pretty well. well yeah,
4: even further back. Um, so I'd be surprised if he was planning to use two centre. So what? Uh, what, what center um, I mean, it could be just an admission that Lacazette hasn't uh, been up to it.
2: I mean, he's not. Has Lacazette been that bad?
4: Oh, it'll right, be ter- he? terrible. But I, I don't think it's been seen. six months.
2: Yeah, yeah. well, okay. Oh, yeah, like, burn Lacazette at the stake and get some other. No,
4: it's not that bad. But he's he's definitely <laughs> not as uh, good as they surely were expecting.
2: What if, were they expecting if, from Lacazette? more involvement nine
3: goals by Jan twenty second, <laughs> I guess. And more uh, more involvement in the
4: general play often. He's kind of he's on the periphery. Just kind of involved. Yeah,
3: I watched him play at Chelsea in the Carabao Cup. In a very sort of one sided nil-nil that Chelsea dominated, and he's, oh, he was, I felt for him. But him and Maratta looked like they needed therapy, <laughs> not 90 minutes of football.
2: How about some quick hits? Chelsea blitz Brighton early and hard on their way to a 4 0 win. Husey, is Conte rather underappreciating Willian? Or, as Cascarino suggests, is he right to look for other options up front, like Ashley Barnes?
3: Um, well, he certainly needs other options up front because Morata hasn't scored in five or six games. He's been and... playing in the last couple of games. Well, he missed one game.
2: Yeah, which we would have scored, presumably, against Brighton. But well, sure.
3: maybe not, given the way he's been playing. Um, Bip Ashwai, he doesn't fancy. So, yeah, they are looking. They seem to be looking for every journeyman target man all over Europe, from uh, Andy Carroll to Crouch to Ashley Barnes, if you believe the story that came out on Sky Sports last night. I'm not convinced by that myself. Those strikers I've just mentioned all have something else in common, um, which Antonio Conte clearly appears to value in footballers. Age.
2: Anthony Martial scores a fine goal as Manchester United outlast Burnley and get a big away win. Bill, is this the beginning of Martial kicking on and living up to the hype? He's been there two
4: and a half years. You'd have hoped he'd have made a bit more of an impression, I guess, but... Is he uh, doing it now? Pardon? Is he
2: doing it now? Um, is he turning the corner?
4: I wouldn't quite say that. He's looking like he might do. I need to need to give it another couple of months of, of good form before we really think he's he's uh, he's definitely going to be a long term United you player. You
2: know, what? I, I realised like you'd be the worst boss in the world, and Bill is impossible to please. <laughs> Seriously, Arsenal thrashed Crystal Palace four one, and usually I don't think it's a coincidence that they reverted to a back four at the other end. And Lauren Koscielny was back in. Funny when you've got good players and uh, a formation that suits you, you tend to do a lot better. Please tell me that this back three nonsense is done with at Arsenal because it it, it upsets me and defends me.
3: Chambers holding and Mustafi is not not great, is it? Uh, so I'm I'm with you. It was a bizarre kind of late season experiment last year that did actually pretty well, didn't it, in terms of results? And this year he's been in and out. But I would be inclined to agree that 43-1 does suit Arsenal better. I mean they have they can barely pick four good defenders, never mind five.
2: Nice start from uh, uh, Paul Lambert at Stoke, who beat Huddersfield 2 0. Bill, what did Lambeau First Blood Part 2 do differently from Sparky?
4: I'm not sure he did an awful lot different. He had Shawcross and Peters back, so he was lucky to, because uh, the defence has been a mess recently, the last latter days of uh, Mark Hughes. I mean, uh, Huddersfield at home is possibly the easiest fixture at the moment so let, let's wait to see how that's how he gets <laughs> on I, know. He <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think there was an awful lot different. I think Mark Hughes was a bit unlucky several games they were unfortunate to lose recently um, I, I wouldn't personally have got rid of Mark Hughes
2: anyway so um, uh, Paul Lambert just never gets any love from everybody you don't it, like Martial. you don't like Lambert we'll see if you get no, better with uh, the next question he was
4: brilliant at uh, Norwich and Colchester
2: Everton are held at home by West Bromwich Albion, and Big Sam Allardyce says he's "quote worried by the draining confidence." Hughie, is he right to be concerned? Should he maybe be concerned by the fact that Marco Silva presumably is now in the market again?
3: Um, I don't think he should be concerned for this season, but in the summer, yeah, who knows? I mean, Sam had a great impact, didn't he? But last six weeks, it's faded away, and his thousands of game wasn't quite the celebration he would have hoped for between sort of 18th and 8th will be like six points at the end of the season so it's, it's just it's just how it's you finish much isn't much it? it yeah I mean you, the best thing you can do is have your blip now and then finish like a train March but do you expect
2: April. Everton to be playing better than they are playing?
3: not really I expect them to get better results but I think there's been a sort of slight reversion to the mean after the sort of sum effect and got all those draws and yeah I think they'll be I think they'll be okay
2: Claude Puel and Leicester roll to another win, 2-0 over Watford. Uh, Bill, any theories about why he was so derided last season at Southampton but is doing so much better at Leicester? Or are you going to tell me that, like Paul Lambert and Anthony Martial, you're really not impressed with him whatsoever?
4: Uh, no, I, I love watching Leicester. I must say, they a really entertaining team, the, the high-speed counterattacks. Last season at Southampton, he, he, I mean, he did well. They were eighth or at top of the whole close bunch of teams close on points but they, they did find they got to the league cup fine. they are unlucky not to beat manchester united there and i think people got so frustrated by their inability to score especially at home that the crowd got against them and as it was what i touched on earlier it was just the finishing was the problem i don't think they were playing too badly they weren't too dull as it happened so i think he's done generally done well in england
3: garb on for you you wrote about agent fees today what's the big deal the big deal to
2: me is, I mean, I, I went off the, uh, the numbers in the uh, annual UEFA benchmarking report. Fascinating reading. 126 pages. You had a quiet week. With, yes, exactly. Um, basically, there were 32 deals between 2013 and 2016 worth more than 1 million euros in transfer fees, where the agent commission was more than 50%. In some cases, it was like 100%. To me, I, I think there are some situations when perhaps you can you can justify it, but there aren't very many. And you know, even you think of all the bile that your friend Mino Ayola got over his forty one million he made off the the Pogba deal, but guess what? That was less than fifty percent of the transfer fee. There were many more which were more lopsided. And I and again, there's there will be situations where somebody's coming to the end of a contract, so he moves for very little money. Um so maybe you can justify this, but I think We need more transparency in football. I know it's, it's, it's a boring subject, but sunlight is the best disinfectant. And anybody who's done this job has heard all sorts of, of, of scare stories, not about people making lots of money because again, I have no problem with it, but things like conflict of interest, things like, uh, uh, like bungs, like corruption. I would hope that a headline number like this might actually be a catalyst for, for maybe some meaningful change because all those numbers are already there in uh, the FIFA TMS system.
1: Hello, I am Paddy Bombay and I'm here with Charlie Scott Hello there And we are The Sweeper, the uh, fantasy football tipping service brought to you by The Times um, It was an interesting week this week, what uh, what caught your eye Charlie?
6: Oh, Sergio Aguero, I mean I'm not quite sure how much he touched that first that first one but he'll take it <laughs> That's a perfect hat trick, he scored 17 points with those three goals against Newcastle And I mean Newcastle must hate the sight of him In 11 league games against them, he's had a hand in 16 goals, 14 goals and two assists. I mean, it's just poor, poor Geordies. Um, (laughs) Elsewhere, Nacho Monreal with the best 33 minutes of fantasy football I've ever seen. He picked up 16 points after getting two assists and a goal before being replaced by Maitland-Niles at half-time in Arsenal's win.
1: That was a bit strange, wasn't it?
6: never seen anything like
1: it. Well, speaking of defenders I was actually, um, I, well Phil Jones caught my eye for very different reasons he was not so dramatic but very solid um, he seems to be uh, an absolute magnet for bonus points. Yeah. Every time United keep a clean sheet and um, and score fewer than two goals he basically just gets all three. Really? Um, and uh, and you know they've got a couple of slightly testing fixtures coming up but you know when it's a Mourinho team you can pretty much trust them to keep a certain number of clean sheets and it's sort of getting to the point where you can't really afford to be without it at the moment I think and I guess on the subject of Man United as well, there's one thing which is worth looking forward to in a few weeks' time. Uh, we have the Carabao Cup semi-finals uh, second legs this week, and it's going to have an impact on game week 28, uh, which is just a few weeks down the line. Um, there is a good chance that Man City, Arsenal, Man United and Chelsea won't have a Premier League fixture that week uh, depending of course who's in the final but um, if it's Chelsea Man City then that is what's going to happen so it's worth having a plan for that obviously those are teams where you're going to have plenty of players from those teams in your fantasy squad so probably start time to start maybe um, uh, you know weaning weaning yourself off a couple of those teams or just make sure you have your free hit chip up your sleeve just to uh just to be, be ready for that one
6: Yeah I was going to say free hit probably the perfect time to play that
1: my squad is basically those four teams <laughs>
6: yeah. I don't know if I've got it, maybe unoutfetched and that's about it worth looking forward to that one
1: uh, Speaking of cup football it's the FA Cup this weekend uh, so no email on Friday uh, morning from us but we'll be back on uh, Tuesday morning I believe uh, with uh, the next round of Premier League tips uh, you can sign up for free at thetimes.co.uk forward slash fantasyfootball
2: Right, that's all we've got time for today. Many, many thanks to my guests, Matt Hughes and the excellent Bill Edgar. Remember, it's just three pounds for a three-month trial. Just search the Times online, and this season, you can access highlights of every game in the Premier League, the Champions League, the Europa League, and the FA Cup. And in addition to all that, what actually matters even more to me is the excellent content that you get from our writers, uh, not just in football, but across the spectrum, mostly in football. Yeah. Although that, that, that Mike Atherton's really good if you're into cricket. You think you might make it yes. as a sports writer? Yeah, no. Shame about Owen Slot and those other guys, but you know, those what are you going to do? Rugby jokes. Uh, we're going to be back next Monday when it's the FA Cup fourth round weekend, Newport versus Tottenham and Jovo versus Manchester United. I wish you could all see Bill Edgar's face light up as he contemplates the magic of the cup.
6: The game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk.